0: Okay, welcome everybody. On behalf of Football Federation Australia, Football Coaches Australia and Member Federation, uh, we're pleased to present tonight's professional development workshop being delivered by uh, Louise McColl, who is the Technical Director of the Bendigo Amateur Soccer Association. Um, Football Victoria has been working closely with clubs to provide favourable environments for women and girls to achieve great things both on and off the pitch. Louise is a fantastic ambassador in that area, not only for Football Victoria, but particularly in her area down at the Bendigo area. Um, Louise is dedicated to coaching nine to 15 year age groups and she is heavily involved with Football Victoria's coaching developments and courses. Uh, she was previously the coach development officer at the association and was the MPL junior head coach of the SAP under 13s at Bendigo City Football Club. For four seasons from 2014 to 2017. Uh, great to see that uh, she's uh, a great supporter of Liverpool Football Club. Her earliest memory is being dressed in their kit, kicking around the ball with her friends on the streets of Warrington. Now, decades later, and after relocating to Australia and down to Bendigo, her passion for soccer has been recognised when she was announced as FFA Community Female Coach of the Year in 2019. She's currently studying part-time towards her Bachelor of Education Curtin University and is also Music Coordinator at the Music School and is a FFA Advanced Pathway C License Instructor. Uh, it's great to have you on board today tonight, Louise, and look forward to your presentation and enjoy.
1: Thanks, Glenn. Um, so developing a coaching culture. So this is going to be about how to develop or ways of developing a coaching culture at your club and by coaching culture that just means um, the culture that evolves at your club whether intended or not. Just an outline of what we'll be talking about tonight. We'll be talking about the importance of building a culture at clubs and looking at examples from across the professional world and the environments the working worlds and football clubs and also local ones too. Okay so uh, Glenn um did give a, a, a bio for me then, but um, I just wanted to give a little bit more detail as to the reasons maybe why I'm passionate about the coaching culture and being within a good environment. So my current role, as Glenn said, is technical director of the Bendigo Amateur Soccer League. This is a very varied role as any uh, technical director would know, it you know depends on where your focus is and what it is that you're expected to be doing. Uh, For my role, uh, it's mostly been focused on the coach education side of things and the overseeing of a representative program where we have players, boys and girls aged from 10 to 16, and also supporting the coaches within that program. I've played football for as long as I can remember, and I'm looking forward to getting back out there this year too, hopefully, once the current situation allows. I've been coaching for a while and started back in the UK and then moved to Australia in 2008. I've been involved in quite a few different environments as a coach from local, coaching, regional and NPL. Having been a candidate on quite a number of courses over here in Australia, in 2015 I started getting involved in the coach developer side of things and really really enjoyed that space and wanted to know more about it. So since then I've really spent a lot of time getting to know more about the coach development and education and being involved in the courses as much as I possibly can. Outside of that as I said, as Glenn said, I'm studying part time towards an education degree, and that's been fantastic um, being able to take things from that course and then implement them at coaching courses as and when it's been relevant. In all of these experiences through courses and clubs that I've been at, the one thing that stood out to me more than anything is the environment that a club, a presenter, the committee or colleagues that I've worked with have provided. The places where I feel like I've been able to develop the most are the ones where I've felt valued and trusted, and just genuinely being able to do things on off my own back, but be pushed to to do better. So you're supported, but you're also given that, that edge just to to get better yourself. It's these experiences that have led me to base much of my coaching and education approach to environment and culture. So, I understand what it was like when you're at a club and you're given the the gear at the beginning of the season. And then you said you don't see anybody else till the end of that year. It's just, you you get on with your own thing and you find ways of dealing with it. But however, it's, it's really lonely. So trying to find a way of implementing ways where you can support those new coaches that come into it and they get that lonely experience. And then they don't, they don't stay in the game because maybe they don't have that. They haven't developed that passion in order to stick with it. So that's sort of what I want to create that unity of coaches that can help each other. There are some clubs out there, well, lots of clubs out there are doing a fantastic job at this, and there's some really great cultures around, around the country and you know, especially what I've seen in, in Victoria and regional areas. This presentation is just to shine a light on the reasons why creating a coaching culture at your club could be important and just to showcase a little bit of what we've been doing here in Bendigo to create that. Okay, so developing a club culture, is it important? Well, Obviously, I think it is because I've spent the time doing, doing this presentation. In general, people want to feel that they have value to a community. So they want to belong to something. It's a lot of the time why we, why we commit to volunteering. It's also easier if you enter a situation or a, a club or working environment where you already have the expectations and guidelines of what's expected of you, This avoids any misunderstanding down the track. You understand what your club is wanting from you and also that club understands what you give to that club too. If you are able as a club to articulate your club culture or have an an expectation of how you can explain that club culture to people, you're gonna be able to attract more of the kind of coaches, volunteers, players that you want to have at your club. And in return, then you'll also be able to keep those volunteers and coaches because the expectation has been set from the start as to what it is that they want, what you want from them. So this is just a diagram. I'm trying to explain it because I've got um, arrows leading everywhere here. If we can think we've got a club, the coaching culture or the club culture that we have at the, at the center here. Now, as we move further outside of the circle, these are different things that can affect your club culture. However, you start to lose the amount of impact that you can have directly on these things. So a club will have a culture, whether it's intended or not, as I said earlier. So everywhere that is a place, every club will, have a, will be thought of by the community in a particular way. Sometimes that's because the club has wanted that to happen. And sometimes it's just naturally evolved that way. However, if you want to start having a look at how you can better take control of that, this hopefully will... Give you an idea. So, things that a club can take some sort of control of straight away are the committee members that you have at your club, the coaches that you have, if you have a technical director, the players that are playing for your club, the sponsorships that you bring on board, and the volunteers that you have coming to your club. So, they are all directly what you can have some sort of effect on and control. As we move them further out, we start to lose that control a little bit, but they do affect us backwards if that makes sense so the the parents or the family members the of of the players at your club of the coaches at your club the social activity that these players or coaches are involved in the spectators that come to your club family members friends as i've said then we move outside again and we look start to look at the demographics so where is your club situated are you a city club are you regional how many people live in the direct area? What do they do for work? Where do they go to school? And these are the kind of things that we, you know, you can't change, but they're going to affect what you can do at your club. Also things like, if we look at school, for example, what do you want the parents at school pick up to be talking about your club? Do you, is, is it somewhere where they'll want their, their children to, to go to? So as we're looking at that, if you can have a think for when we get to the discussion um, a bit later on anything that you think could be added in there or that you think is you know in the wrong spot or that you know you you want to add to for, for clubs to understand what can affect their club culture okay so this is sort of self explanatory here but shows the amount of people or total participation that we have in this sport at the moment in this country obviously it's been rising every year which is fantastic. If we look at the numbers then from 2019 from this report it showed that we had just under 40,000 registered coaches so the registered part here is quite key in that a lot of the coaches I'm aware of especially regionally here aren't registered or, or don't register so that number could be significantly higher. Also the same with the volunteers, we're looking at just over 23,000 volunteers, but they say that could be that could be more too. So if we know that that's how many people are involved in this sport and that's how many coaches and volunteers are giving up their time, the question would be, how is your club operating to retain these coaches at your club? What's stopping them either falling out of the, the volunteer roles completely or going to another club? So I think what we have to do is understand the first part, why it is that people or coaches and volunteers give up their time for little or no financial gain. So as we see, the Australian New Zealand Sport Management Review conducted in 2017 gave a list of some of the reasons why people do volunteer their time. So first of all, there we have the camaraderie and the friendship. This means you've got loyalty to a group and spending time with friends. It's one of the main reasons why people want to be part of a club. The social understanding and the integration. So finding a place where people share similar interests. I know when I first moved over here in 2008, the first thing I did was find a football club to be part of because I knew that's where I would find people of, that enjoy football. So you find in that connection with somebody. If you can understand that that's what people are wanting and people are looking to find that social understanding you may be able to have a look at what you're doing for those newcomers and i know that um chris adams and lesby in their presentation a couple of weeks ago they spoke about how does your club feel for new people is it welcoming and if so have you done that on purpose or is that just something that happens naturally now Intrinsic motivation and role identity are actually the key to keeping these coaches and volunteers at your club. So wanting to feel good about yourself, gain experience, better yourself, wanting to feel like you're giving back to the community and that you belong there are often the reasons that people will keep going back. This is why we see people wearing their favourite team jersey and why you have, may have players or coaches at your club that wear where the club top out and about socially because they feel proud that that's what they're a part of so now we've established why people volunteer how do we keep their hands going up each year and coming back to your club and this is where it's over to you guys
0: a uh, <coughs> question from Gary if you come off mute Gary please thanks Louise uh, Thank
1: really you, appreciate
0: coming on tonight uh, in, in
2: talking about the culture that we set up and around our clubs, I absolutely agree that we've got one, where, whether we like it or not, there's a, yep. there's a culture there. How important in your experience are behaviours that are acceptable and not acceptable in being at the heart and foundation of that culture?
1: That's a good question, Gary. Um, obviously against just my opinion on this, but I think it, it depends what behaviors you want at your club and what's acceptable. Obviously every club, we don't want every club to be the same um, as we don't want every football team to play the same. We don't want every club to be the same. So I guess it's, if you can set that from the start and know what you want and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, and then be able to explain that to the, the stakeholders and the, and the wider community. And I think that gives you that little bit more control, but I mean, Certainly, for me, it's important because where would I want to send my children playing? You know, the sport. It's going to be somewhere that I feel has got a a name for itself, has been a development place for them, and somewhere where they can have a safe place with their friends.
2: And is it, in your experience, again, how important is it that the club has a culture and behaviours that are acceptable at the club? As opposed to the cult, the, the coach, and this particular team having a culture within that club environment.
1: Okay, yeah. Look, I think that's really important because you don't want little, you know, small little groups throughout the club because then that doesn't that doesn't lend to what you want the ultimate the club culture to be at your club. So, if you can set it where the, all the coaches are on board, you know they will be different, but they will have the same goals. And we do we do touch on this a little bit later, but I think if you you don't want to have small little cultures throughout the club, obviously you want little group dynamics, but you don't want it to be so far separate from what you want as a club that it becomes not your club culture. So I think it's important that clubs set, you know, or at least have an understanding of what it is their club is wanting long term and try and get the people that they want on board with that. Terrific. Thank you. Thanks, Gary.
0: Uh, from Lucas Ede up in the Blue Mountains uh, in New South Wales, Louise. Yep. Uh, how do you find it coaching in a regional area like Bendigo? Obviously, the Blue Mountains is a regional area. And how do you promote, maintain a good culture there?
1: So, Thanks, Lucas. Um, I think it's different. I mean, you're dealing with you know, a community that's already very tight. So... Everybody knows everybody, um, even though, you know, Bendigo is quite a large regional city, it's still very uh, community-minded and we have lots of different clubs here. I think the opportunity there is 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 there to create a good community spirit, but also you have to understand that there's lots of talk. So you want to make sure that what you're portraying to the community is what you want it to be. I think it's slightly different in that you take metro areas, and there's such a vast amount of clubs that people can go to over a short distance of, of of even travel and time. And whereas here, it tends to be, you know, the kids play for the team that their parents played for. And although we're not, and, and such a long generation span of that happening, it is starting to be what I think is the trend.
0: So uh, Louise, uh, in Bendigo, you were the coach development officer at the association there for. For a number of years. Um, you went to Bendigo City uh, to, to coach you, were the head coach there of the SAP. What was, the, what was that club, for example, like when you arrived? And in your role, what did you need to do to change your culture?
1: Um, with, so with the culture? Um, so with the MPL, obviously that's already got a, a sort of structure in place for how um, that, that is to already be set as to how, you know, the, the, what the club's there for. Um so with that, I also with it being a new club, it didn't, you know, there hasn't been such a culture set at the time Um coming outside of that and going towards the, the, the association, the, the representative programme um where well, was the coach development officer there for, a, it was a short period of time before then becoming technical director, but it was, I could see that the, the culture was, was a very friendly one and um, However, I just wanted to make it more of a, a feel that it was a, a club culture as opposed to, as we said before, those, those little groups of different teams. So it's not lots of different teams with a different idea, but more of one club, one club feel.
0: Yeah. OK, thank you.
1: Thanks,
0: uh, nothing else at the moment. so That's good. Forward.
1: <clears throat> so just moving on to the next part of the presentation it is a longer a longer part but um hopefully we now head into some examples from the professional working world um, more high-end clubs and then i will then go through sort of which might answer your question glenn as to what we've been trying to do here in bendigo so team of champions or champion team so i don't know if you've um, seen the film mighty ducks but it tells the story of the power of teamwork so when you can get the right group of people together they can sometimes, despite not looking or being the most likely of champions, they can actually end up uh, quite a champion team. So uh, <clears throat> one of the coaches that I work with sent through uh, an article, probably the back end of last year, and it was about effective teams. So that was Alan, who's in the the rep program uh, with me. At the time, I thought it was a really good article. And then thinking back, I thought it lent quite well to what we're trying to discuss tonight. So. Google Google conducted a two-year study into what makes an an effective team environment. And it was found that it wasn't necessarily putting together the most qualified or the most experienced people in one group and expecting that then, well, they'll, they'll get on with it because they're the best people. It was actually found that the teams and working groups that had the most sort of effective environment that they created, and became the best teams to work with him, actually all shared these same traits, which were, as on the slide here, we have got dependability, structure and clarity, meaning, impact, and your psychological safety. So just looking at those, dependability, it's a team that trusts each other, so trust each other to work, give feedback. Structure and clarity, so they're working together towards a common goal they can articulate that goal and they know the ins and outs of what they're trying to achieve. Meaning and impact side of things is that each member cares and they, they care about what they're doing long-term and not just the, the impact that it has on them personally, but the greater meaning. And then the biggest one for me that I feel has obviously working with, with environments. And it's the most important that, that I believe is the psychological safety. So being in a supportive environment, where it's okay to seek honest feedback and trust the people around you that they're going to give you that feedback without judgment. What I wanted to make a point of here is that I'm not saying that in the highest levels of football, if you put together the best players in the world into one world team, that they're not going to play good football and play well. But when we're looking at coaching groups and culture within clubs and just people working together in day-to-day life, it just has to be the right, the right people together all with the same attitudes and wanting that the same outcome and i think then you can do more in the right group than you can do alone so rather than individuals trying to work towards something it's it's the group the group mentality that you'll get more done so just on that thinking about trusting teams and trusting environments we just have a video here
3: Leaders are responsible for creating an environment in which people feel they can be their best selves. All the time, I can't tell you how often I get the question, Simon, how do we get the most out of our people? They're not a towel that we wring. (laughs) It is a flawed question that even if you get the right answers, you're going to get the wrong direction. The correct question to ask is, how do I create an environment in which my people can work at their natural best? If you can do that, you will produce something called trusting teams. Trusting teams is an environment in which people feel safe enough to raise their hand and say, I made a mistake. They can say, I need help. I don't know what I'm doing. You promoted me into a job that I don't feel qualified. I need more training. I'm having trouble at home. It's affecting my work. I'm scared without any fear of humiliation or retribution, without any fear that revealing that weakness, that vulnerability will put them on some short list for the next round of layoffs. In fact, they have every confidence that if they were to say any of those things, both their colleagues and their bosses would rush to their aid. That is what a trusting team looks like and that is what a trusting team feels like.
1: Okay. So. The reason I, you know, fantastic. um, If you look at some of the other stuff that um, he has out there, some really good videos to watch. But the reason I picked this one is that trusting team. So what I'm trying to put there is if you get the coaching group together and they create this environment in your club where your coaches, your players, your volunteers, the committee, if they trust each other and they're working towards the same thing, you're going to create this culture of of trusting teams and wanting to be there and therefore they'll you'll keep the coach retention and player retention so let's have a look at this now from Southampton Academy so obviously Southampton Academy are known for their development and what they're doing there with player development over in the the younger age groups Matt Hale the academy manager this is up on their website so first of all they talk about the culture so all of a sudden they've acknowledged that they want a culture there and they're gonna try and control it. So education, integrity, and honesty. So for me, if I was to be, if I was going into that Southampton Academy environment, I would already have an understanding just from those keywords in that paragraph as to what that environment may be. Another, whether you're a supporter of Liverpool or not, another coach and club that's doing a very good job of this at the moment, would be obviously Jurgen Klopp and what he's saying about building that team around you. It's not just all about him, it's about building the team.
4: I try everything to be as successful as possible. I live 100% for the boys, with the boys, what we do for the club and all that stuff. And I think that's leadership in the first case. As a leader, you cannot be the last who comes in and the first who goes out. That's how it is. You don't have to be always the first coming in or the last going out. It's like this, but you have to be an example as well. That's how it is. You have enough confidence, and that's very important for a leader because confidence, if I would expect from myself that I know everything and I'm the best in everything. I couldn't have confidence, but I don't expect, expect that. I, I know I'm good in a couple of things, really good in a few things, and. Um That's enough what I can do. My confidence is big enough that I can really let people grow next to me. It's no problem. I need experts around me. It's really, really very important that you're empathic, that you you try to understand the people around you and that you give real support to the people around you. And Then everybody can act. That's what leadership is. Have strong people around you with a better knowledge in different departments than yourself. Don't act like you know everything. Be ready to admit that I have no clue in the moment, so give me a couple of minutes and I will have a clue probably. and That's exactly how I understand it, but it's not a real philosophy. It's just my way of life.
1: Okay, so that, with those few things there, what I'm trying to say is you build a trusting team, you're able to articulate what it is that you want at your club, and then can you get the people in that are going to work together, and so not individuals with different goals, but a, a group that will, all individuals will be able to offer something to the greater the greater part. Okay, so this is where we've had a look now at the professional world, the working world, what they're doing in their, you know, the EPL, different clubs. What I want to do now is just have a look on a local level, what it is that we've been trying to do here in Bendigo with the Amateur Soccer League representative programme, and just give an idea of, how I'm trying with the team that I work with to create a coaching culture. Uh, It's not an overnight project. It's certainly been one that we've been working at for a few years and it's one that we'll continue to work on for for the future. It doesn't end. It's a continual development. So with the Bender Grammature Soccer League, we have over 3,000 players that play across the region from uh, down at Kyneton up to Swan Hill, Shepparton. And Moama. So there's 15 different clubs and they each have their own club culture. Fantastic. With the representative program what that is are squads of boys and girls aged under 11 to under 16 and we put them into those groups and they're selected from across those 15 different clubs. We have six boys squads, three girls squads and with that we also have 14 coaches of which there are head coaches plus assistants. We also have the operations support. The main aim is that we're trying to work together as a team to create a coaching culture within a representative programme. So it is a little bit different in that it's not a club. The clubs that we work from, the 15 different clubs, all have their own way of creating the the club culture. And then we're trying to create one as a programme. We always come back to the value. So when I talk about can we... Do we have expectations, and can we articulate them? Everything that we do as part of the, the Bendigo Amateur Soccer League and the representative programme always comes back to the values that we have there, which are quality, unity, participation, engaging, and fun. So everything that we do has to align with those values. Here's just a little bit more about the, the programme. So we have a mixed range of players' abilities and where they are in development. There's some that I've gone through their growth but some that haven't. They're different, come from different clubs, and they also have different aspirations as to what they want to do with their sport. Some it's very social, and others they want to go a little bit further. The program is aiming to be player and coach centred. Now, this is something that we hear quite a lot of the time. This player centred, coach centred. So, I'll just explain what it is that I personally mean by that. So, that's when. For me, looking after the coaches, it's, it's about learning about them as people. So it's not a case of just, oh, that coach has the under-11s and we'll let them get on with it. It's about who is that person. Um, I want to get to know them you know, as, as a person, as a friend, and know more about what they're bringing to the program as well as what, what help that they, they may need because every single coach needs something different or requires a different way of, of development. In turn, the aim will be, and is starting, that we will then be player-centred. So we learn about our players as as people. So if if the coaches are getting treated as people, they in turn will treat the players as people and not just the players that are there for their team. So we have here uh, two of the coaches from last year talking together on the sideline about about the squad. I think that was um, Holly, the head coach, and Dee was the assistant last year. And then the coaches, they all have different ideas. And I think if you you need to allow that within the program, providing that it falls back in line with the, the Bendigo values. So this was a great session last year that Holly had put on for the under 12 girls and they wanted to work on team building. So Holly had spoken to the players and asked what they wanted to do. And it was team building. So this was a blindfolded session where one player would have to navigate an obstacle course whilst the other teammate tried to talk her through how to do that and that was um, really good fun and also collaboration as a team so we don't so with the the coaches it's not about we have to play this way or that way but always talking in a group so this was from uh, the country championships last year and Alan one of the coaches was and as to what to do with the next game. Um, I'd spoken to his players already about what they thought, brought those ideas over to myself and some of the other coaches within the group. And for about 20, 25 minutes, we just discussed what what he wanted to do. And he left them with a few different ideas, which he took back to the players. And so again, it's that collaboration between, not just between coaches and myself, but the coaches and then the coaches and the players. So, getting different people involved all the time. With that, I asked one of the coaches that I work with within the program the following question: "This is your third season involved with the Basel Rep program. What are the reasons that you continue to be involved, and has your experience working together with other coaches from across the league changed how you approach anything?" So now we're just going to hear Glenn's response.
5: Having been around the Basel Rep program for a little while now. I have quite a few reasons why I love being involved and uh, why I keep going back. Um, starts with it, the, the community club level or the club that I coach at. to. For the last four or five years um, at Castlemaine, we've, we've really tried to have a bit of a, a cultural change or a, or a football culture change. Um, really trying to make change to benefit our members and the wider community. Uh, the rep program then, on top of that, gives me another platform to put into practice some of the changes from a club level out into the much wider football community locally. Um, the rep program has a real sense of collegiate learning too within the coaching group. Uh, Lou has created a real sense of safe to fail, which in, is key to any real learning environment. Um, the rep program has also uh, created and developed a group of coaches where feedback is okay um, and it's not knowing all the answers is actually okay um, it's okay to ask the question too uh, in fact um, it's a space where uh, it's okay to try some different a good story from last year which I think really encapsulates uh, the work we're doing at the rep program and at club level two um, is last year um, we um, came up against our rival club and lo and behold uh, my coaching colleague from the rep program was the other coach so my opposite number um, we soon, within the first half found ourselves um, next to each other, staying next to each other with our whiteboards discussing the teams and our setup and individual players but I think that was the key part to it was um, we ended up discussing each other's players and our, each other's Game day strategy and setup. Uh, so in essence, we were coaching the game, not our, just respective teams. Um, all this played out in front of the respective parent group. Uh, probably something not that they weren't particularly used to, uh, and the spectators. Um, and I think over time, this really helps break down uh, the real, real culture of sort of them and us out there. Um, Overall, the rep program really helps us break this down. So it really helps us break down uh, the footballing silos that are out there and um, makes it okay to give feedback and share ideas around our um, football community.
1: Okay, so so it was good. You know, I hadn't heard Glenn's answer before we sent it through and had a, an, an idea, but um, it was really good for me to then think or reflecting on what it was that we've been trying to create as a group. And hearing that back, I thought, we're heading the right way for what we were were hoping to achieve. So just some more on that. Looking at the the group of coaches that I work directly with, we always try, I always aim to be in this collaborative area here. So we are working as a group. We listen to each other's ideas. I'm learning from them weekly um, just as much as I hope that I'm helping them uh, helping me. There are times when it is more of that interactive space there in the middle. So if I'm putting on a workshop for the coaches because I've found something I want to share with them, then it's still me showing them or telling them something, but it's that two-way feedback. So there's that two-way communication between myself and the group of coaches I'm working with. Now and again, obviously there are the distributive um, delivery approach that, that is conducted if I am giving information to them um, with a Whatever that subject might be on. I said, very, very rare. I would mostly myself aim to be within that collaborative range, and I hope that that um, does come across. That might be something maybe to ask Al, one of the coaches that's joining us tonight, um, whether that has come across. The other thing, just wanted to touch on what we've done as a group um, over the last few months. Obviously, it's been difficult for everybody involved in everything, but with the football space, not being able to get outside and and see your players or see the coaches you work with, obviously it was quite difficult. And I have seen a number of clubs out there that, that worked with their coaches and did the the catch-ups, whether that be weekly, fortnightly or whatnot. And I felt that was, that was really fantastic because there's so much out there for the players. And obviously the players are really important and we wouldn't have coaches without teams of players. There's so much out there for them. uh, Things like, you know, what we've done with the webinars here and been watching these weekly but putting together something for your own group of coaches as well within that smaller circle has been fantastic so what we did uh, I was running out of ideas um, with the fortnightly zoom meetings that we were having as a coaching group and one of the coaches suggested that he be the chef for the night and sent us all a recipe about a week before And we all had to go out and buy the ingredients that we were going to cook live on this Zoom uh, catch-up that we'd have. So we did that. We had not all of the coaches involved because that wasn't the expectation that some coaches were busy on those evenings that we'd selected or they just had other things. So the ones that did, we bought the food and cooked. And it was, for me, it was just a really, in the mix of it all, it was a really fun night and a great way of just, spending that time with the coaching group but in a more personal way so we didn't talk football we spoke to each other whilst we were in our kitchens cooking or attempting to cook as my approach was uh, that meal so I just wanted to yeah talk about how it's keeping together as a coaching group and working within that team and yeah, hopefully that wasn't too big a section. But um, over to anybody that wants to discuss anything that they've come across or done with their coaches too, or anything else.
0: Yeah, I might uh, first to start with Myrid. I hope I pronounced your name right there, Myrid. If you've got a question, and then you've actually uh, also provided comment on uh, what you've done at your club. So if you could ask your question first, and then go with your your club. Uh, yep. Hopefully you can hear me right. It's-
6: yep. yeah good guess it's mirrored and hi louise hello how you doing today um yeah so sorry i had a few questions so i'm just reminding myself exactly it's
0: on the chat it's on the chat if you want to just pull it up there yeah
6: i was just having a look because i was writing down more than one on my notes um it was more to do with um at a community level because that's where i'm coaching i've started coaching but often, and I'm sure it's the same at other clubs, you you just need coaches. Like, we're still trying to figure out whether we can fill positions and stuff. And so, you know, as much as you try to be a little discerning with who you appoint, sometimes um, it's a bit tricky when people put their hand up you kind of make the most of it. But then it's the challenge of how to um, approach them at times if perhaps some of their attitudes or some of the behaviours or choices um don't necessarily fit within the club culture. yep needing a coach in front of that team um or to be fair not even coaches like managers or you know whomever that might be and steps to kind of approach that because um a lot of people within the clubs like i'm a teacher so i have a slightly different background leading into dealing with those things but a lot of people within clubs um that's that's not something that they're necessarily used to. They're not sure how to approach yep. that. They're not sure how to make that, you know, balance that need that we have for somebody versus yep. the need for somebody who is also going to help you build on the, the culture that you've developed or developing.
1: Yeah. No, it's really good question. Obviously I am, I can only answer that from my own um, point of view and every, every club and environment will, will be different. Um my Advice would be: this is where it becomes important when we've talked about a club being able to explain and articulate and have that, maybe even in in a paragraph like Southampton did, as to what they are hoping for, what their expectations are, and what they want from a coach. Because you've always got that. You may bring coaches into the environment and then realize that it's it's for them they're not they don't they don't have the same values or beliefs in what to coach or what how that club wants it to happen but if you've always if you had that conversation with them from the offset then it's always easier to go hey look let's let's have a review this is what we said we wanted to set out to do this is what we feel you're doing we need to bring this into a bit more of an alignment here so there's a bit of give and give and take but ultimately it's the club culture you're trying to protect here um and if that still isn't isn't working, then you have to. It's really important that your club has in place a way of saying, "Well, this is no longer working. You know, we um, we can't carry on." And for me, and I know this is harder to do than say, but having no coach is often better than having the wrong coach. So you can put things in place for somebody to help on on game day and at training. You can say, "Look, this is what um, a, a parent, for example." And help run a session, or help manage the subs on, on game day. The kids, you know, if, you, if we're talking um, junior players here, often don't need anything but other than somebody to tell them when they're on and off. And um, but I would, yeah, I would say having having no coach in place is better than the wrong one. And also, if that's been from the start explained to the parents, so obviously you're not going to say if you, if we don't if the coach if we don't get on with the coach they're going. But um, if it's in. So it's really important to have a clear understanding of how you want that that club to be and getting those right people on board from the start and having something that you can look back on and bring back to, we had this conversation, this is where we're at and move forward from there.
0: No, thanks, Louise. You've just answered Chris's question as well. But Miri, do you want to just come back on? You've, uh, you've provided a great description on chat there as to, the influence that uh, you and others have had on a very young club, on how you've developed that?
6: Sorry, that kind of dropped out partway through, something about being a young club.
0: <laughs> no, well, you've, uh, you've oh, answered sorry. a question on chat about how you your, your club's only four years old, about how you've developed the culture there. So could you just explain that? Um,
6: yeah, so it's we're in our fifth year now. Um, and for the last two years, one, like it's just, um, we're down in Gippsland in local league. Um, one club of the year for their third and fourth years. Um, And the first year or so, I think it was more just like word of mouth, basically. We kind of picked up that it was like, we kind of considered to be quite a friendly sort of family type club. Um, And so, you know, obviously that was something that the majority of us thought, well, well, this is something that we really want to embrace if it's happening naturally and try and protect and then develop a fair bit. the challenge is obviously being in a small cl- community club, getting people on, you know, committees, getting people coaching, getting players is tricky, which then obviously challenges that um, ability to protect, let alone to develop that culture. Um, so we've been trying pretty hard um, on, the com- I'm on the committee as well, but trying to pretty hard to be really mindful of that when we are, um, appointing coaches also within the players, etc., and making sure that the coaches are trying to not only role model some of the expectations with the cultural stuff, but um, enforce it. And, you know, not always like generally in terms of creating club events and things like that, making sure our local community is really involved in club events um, and getting coaches and players within the club to see our connection with the community so that it's almost like a motivator for them to, see recognize that the club culture we have is actually you know it's it's seen by our community and that we're not just saying you should do this or we should do that because we want you to but more it's actually got visible merit I noticed,
0: I noticed Mira, you mentioned there you've sometimes had to show some tough love with some punitive steps um yep. what, what did that involve
6: <laughs> we tried to have like a a junior coordinator as well and so um Thankfully she came from a teaching background too, which I think helped because she did have to have sort of facilitate some difficult conversations between coach, a coach and parents and their junior kids and that sort of thing to reinforce this idea of um, we're a club, we've got certain values that we need to uphold. And if we can't, then, you know, basically the club has steps in place. Um, we've had a couple of club members <laughs> had to be asked to not come back, um, but I think it was, and it was very difficult for those who were involved in having to manage that because obviously, executive committee especially are not, you know, this isn't their job. They're not necessarily used to those sorts of situations, but we're aware that it was really impacting the ability of the coaches to coach, but also maintain team culture, which you know has a big impact on club culture and the way we're seen by other clubs the way we're seen by our own club and the people within it you know as much as we'd like to say it doesn't always have a big impact but it does what what we show is what people within our club kind of think is okay Um, and it's made a noticeable difference since since those major issues were dealt with um there's always like little bits and pieces um even with spectators I know that's something that we've Spoken to some players and families about in terms of the expectation of their spectators that are coming along and the impact that has on the way our club is seen, the way our coaches are able to do their jobs, and um, what it says about what we accept behavior-wise. Yes.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. I've lived in a Gippsland. I've lived in a Gippsland country town for a couple of years, so um, it's not always easy in a small town to be doing those sort of things. So well done.
1: No. Yeah, I think. Um, Mary, that was just a really good point, um, which we touched on earlier, but probably didn't emphasize it enough Is what are you doing in your community? So it's okay to want an impact on your community, but what are you doing to make that happen? And so I think you saying that you're getting out to those community areas and, and helping out, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, be, be, be visible in the community. Uh,
0: Lucas, come off mute, please, and ask your question.
1: There we go. I figured it out.
0: Well
2: <laughs> done. Good job. Cool. Um, what was my question? Okay. Um, with your rep program, do uh, all your coaches follow the same like training session structure? Do you just, like collaborate and talk about that? Or is it just up to
5: the coach to decide um, uh, what they're doing?
1: Yep. So good question. So the coaches that I'm working with for all the different um, levels and experiences as to where they're at in the coaching journey. So with that, we, we try to meet, at the beginning of each coaching term. So we sort of run within the school terms and we'll meet at the beginning and have a plan of, these are the topics that we'd you know, like to cover over the next sort of, I try and work in six weeks box if we can. So the coaches will have a guided overview of what we would like to cover within that time. And they will then bring you know, write the training sessions and come up with the plan themselves if they want help with that, it's on offer. Um, but really, for me, you know, being able to have your own ideas and come up with with topics yourself um, is where you learn. So, yeah, we'll have things we want to cover, but no set. Like, not every training session is the same. However, we do try and follow a similar format. So, the the sessions will we have certain things. For example, you know, can we keep the ball moving as as much as possible? um these are the age groups so the under 11s through to the under 12s will have certain topics that we're hoping to cover but it's very you know it's very vast obviously as the game is and but really it's about for me the more the more game time that they get so we'll often for example every four weeks we might say one age group will play against the other or mix them around so it's not sort of little individual teams but more that one big program that works together so,
7: awesome, yeah, it helps.
0: Uh, I might just, um, there's been a question from one of, the, one of the panellists just on what do you do at your club to influence the culture at your club? And I might, uh, it's, before we end the session, don't I just go around the group uh, just, to, just to ask that question. Uh, Gary, you're always my point guard on these sorts of nights and you've been the head coach at a, an MPL club. What did you do in your role as head coach to influence the club culture?
2: Really interesting, Glenn, because in my experience with the senior clubs is really um, really the the first team in the reserve team um, and back in the, the age because i 'm a dinosaur, remember when we did this, there wasn 't too much interaction between the junior club and uh, and the seniors, so in and around there, it was much of the same you know. A lot of this has got to do with having an environment, I think, that's safe for people to work in uh, and that it's safe for people to fail in as well, but that we're prepared to try and that we talk and communicate with people openly. The, the, the fact is that, you know, you're the first-team coach and particularly in men's football, you know, that, that often people want to call you the boss. I hated that term, so that, that, was, that was never it. So, 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 Glenn, really, really working with people, but I'm, I, I guess the further I got through this, I, I learned in my experiences that it was about behaviours. I've worked in football clubs, but I've also worked in commercial businesses and I've worked in sporting organisations that talk about culture. In fact, I worked in one that I'm not going to talk about specifically, but, you know, it's got values on the wall and it's got values on the inside of the cup. And they're all great. And, and, you know, they're they're the warm and fuzzy things. But my experience is it's the day to day behaviours that are either acceptable or not acceptable that create the culture. You know, in my opinion, culture is what goes on. What, what are we doing today and what are we not doing today that make that work? So, for me, the building of that is embracing everyone, having people involved in what what those values are and we work together. The challenge in the senior football club
4: um,
2: for a head coach could be um, the board or the committee um, and, you know, where they're at. In the ideal environment, culture would flow down from the top. Um, I think in many football clubs, it's the coach trying to get the coach to flow upstream to the board as well, which um, you
0: get better at over the journey, but can certainly be a challenge. Chris Monon, if you'd like to come on and make a comment.
7: Yeah, like some of the big takeaways for me would be, you know, a club co- culture over your coaches. What was said before is if you, you know, if a coach isn't doing the right thing by your club culture, or well, club culture you can let him go you know those sort of things whilst hard to do at a time and you might lose one or two players in the end I think you probably benefit
1: yeah I think um just on that point there Chris I think it's really important to to say that just because a coach might not fit in with the values or the club culture at one particular club it doesn't mean to say that that would be the case at another club I mean I think there's somewhere for everyone I think it's just finding that place. Yes, that, definitely. You yeah. know, it's 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 just finding that place where you have the same values and and sort of that long term goal or or short term goals if that's what you work from. But um, just because yeah, if, if it doesn't work out at one club, it's certainly not to say that it's it's going to be like that everywhere. You will find your place. Uh, um, yep. We've got um, a few more slides to get through, Glenn, If yeah, no, if
0: no, no questions. It. No, that's fine. There for it.
1: Yeah, I'll be um happy to go so through just some of the some of the things that come up might um yeah. might answer. Okay, so sort of a running through the, the, the back end of the presentation here and um uh, I guess a, a, a summary in a way. What can you do as a club to try and develop, articulate and explain a club culture? So As we've mentioned, um, speaking to Murr before, having a clear understanding as to what the club wants to do long term. So that's one way if you can start to get an understanding of that, as I said, it's not overnight. but If you can start to get an understanding from that, you can start to build on how you want that to happen. A collaboration between the coaches and the committee. So this can happen way before the season. Uh, Make sure that the coaches and the committee are all on board with what's going to happen and what's expected of that coming season. With that, you need to set those, you know, when, when are we gonna review this and when are we gonna see if we're on track or if something changes? Know what the procedure is if a coach, player, other spectator, parent doesn't agree with the club of what they're aiming to achieve. Do you have coach contracts? Um, as I've said, no coach can be better than having the wrong coach. It's not to say that that coach isn't gonna find their place somewhere else. I just wanted to mention here the CCC programme, so the club coach coordinator. If you can implement this at your club, so as a club, if you can have uh, one or two coaches that just put in a little bit more time each week, not a lot, just to be that person that can support. It could be the new coaches, the coaches that have a question. Just make it that's not such a lonely role because there's somebody at the club there whose designated job is to coach their team and then maybe stay around for a bit afterwards and just be there as a bit of a, a a bouncing idea person for the other coaches in the club this allows not only for those coaches to feel supported and have somebody to speak to but also upskill of that coach because then they they may feel like myself that they like the coach development side of things and the more coach developers that we we get the better too so just wanted to touch on that as um does your club have a CCC program or something similar? It doesn't have to be called that, but a coach or coaches that support the other coaches within your club. Um, you could meet with the parents or hold a gala day to address them and show them what it's like at your club. So a gala day is a really good way of the of people, especially new clubbers, getting a feel for what it's like at that club. And they'll it's not something they might be able to. They don't have to read it; they'll feel it. And as we've said, have have review periods where you're going to see how we're going and um, throughout certain points of the season for example we will have had um, with the representative program we had a, a meeting previous to the year starting and everything we probably well, <laughs> not probably everything we did aim to have achieved by now has certainly not been the case so we have to review reset and and, um, and change that and go again as a group so what can you do as a coach? So reflect on the kind of environment you want to be in. Does the club that you're coaching at have the same values? If not, can you speak to them about it? And if it's not going to match up, can you find somewhere else where you are, you know, you, you do share the same values and you're valued as a coach and as a person? So say, we will say, if um, find the right place that supports you, speak to the committee and see what they think too. How do you interact with your players? Can you get to know more about them? So, as I'm saying that to have that coaching culture at your club, get to know the people at your club. So, if the person that's out there marking the lines each week, do you know them? You know, do you show an interest? Do you want them to keep doing that? Because the more that we can interact with people rather than just roles, I think the better find somebody as a coach that you can trust and that will listen to you and give honest feedback. And um, this is said a lot, but you don't want somebody just saying all the time. Yeah, yeah, that was good. That was good. And um, you want somebody that will, you're not, you don't not, they're not necessarily going to comment and say, no, that's not good, but they will question you. So often, you know, the answer to a question, you just need to be guided to finding your own reflection and, and feedback. So self-reflection, it's massive, um, a massive thing to learn if you can learn how to self-reflect honestly so you get some people that will always find the negative but if they can find the positive as well then fantastic but you find somebody that you can do that and can you help other coaches too understand that you contribute to the club culture and in turn can you impact the wider community around you as i said club culture is there whether intended or not you are adding to it if you are there so summary of the, of the evening, we've already said, understand club coach and values. Can you explain them? Can you articulate them? Is it something that can be summed up in a paragraph? Is it something that can be felt if you're at the club? Everybody in that club and the, the general area around it impacts to that environment. Camp clubs find ways to play and work together as a community rather than against each other, especially in the junior age groups? So obviously we want to grow the sport and so the more that the juniors and seniors are enjoying the game, the more we're going to keep them in the game. Collaborate with the people around you to enhance your goals and ideas. So as we've said, you can do more in the right group, stress in the right group there than you can do as an individual. And listen and really care. So recently read the book, um, The Resilience Project by Hugh Van Cullenberg. And in the he states that to really connect with other people, you have to genuinely have an interest about in learning about them. So the sort of the, the surface interest wears off after a while if if you're not actually listening to what that person says. So it's some people are just naturally very good at this and, and have a genuine interest. but I think it is something that can be learned to so learn to to listen and actually hear what's been said and learn about a person rather than just waiting for your turn to speak. And with that, just a nice little image to leave you with, which is um, how you might plan that you're going to develop or intend to develop a, a culture or coaching culture and how through life experience it will actually most likely happen. So it's uh, again, we didn't realize how the last few months was going to be. That's in there. It's probably that watery bit there <laughs> in sense deep. But um, can we reflect, reset, and go again ultimately to find that goal?
0: Uh, just in uh, you're obviously an instructor as well um, for yep. is is this uh, is this taught on the on the courses on on how you do develop a culture at a club or you know these types of leadership skills
1: um no, no i mean not necessarily i mean obviously the courses are designed for coaches coaching players in in different environments i think um personally i i'm i'm trying to you know, find ways of of getting to know everybody on the courses as quickly as I can because I really want to learn about everybody um it's a challenge because there's lots of people on the courses but I I just love it with the courses after you have day 1 and everyone's you know everybody's new and we're finding our feet and then by the end of that course it's um you know most of the time just one big group and sort of happy family um that we've come through the journey together and it's fantastic to um to keep in touch with those people. And as I said, I always um, give people my contact details for any you know, questions they have.
0: You've got some questions here to asking you whether they can get a hold of your slides, but we'll discuss that later. Um, just in regards to also, uh, you know, it's challenging, as you mentioned, uh, for all coaches in, you know, within clubs sometimes and also specifically in country regions as well, Um, Is it more challenging for female coaches or is the culture around your area, Bendigo, a good one for female coaches?
1: And look, it's a good question. I mean, it's, I think, and in short, the answer is probably yes. I've been pretty lucky to always find situations where I've had um, lots of help and, and guidance. I said the initial few years were quite lonely. But I was sort of had that confidence enough of well, I like the sport, I know the sport, so I'll go with it. Um, and then realised where I needed that help. Um, but I think I guess the we need to have more more role models out there, I think is the is the short answer. If we can see more females coaching, um, coaching girls, coaching boys, if, if that's seen more, we're gonna get more women knowing that it's okay to to do that and that they are, you know, um, lend really good um, traits towards the role. You know, coaching, facilitating. It's, you know, um, often it's just giving them a go and seeing that they can do it. So, I said I don't want to say personally. I've I've been pretty lucky with all the environments I've been in, so I can't say I've had that. Um, but certainly, it is something that we need to we need to have more females coaching and being involved in the game where people can see them, so where they're visible.
0: Yep. Um, thanks, Louise. We've also got uh, lucky enough to have Joey Peters on the line who played in the Matildas team. And her coach, Tommy Simone, created a great, a great culture for, for their athletes to be playing within. But uh, Joey's now in a school environment. Joey, you've got two former A League great A-League players, Patrick and Andre, uh, within your school environment. How are they developing the culture there?
7: Hi everyone, I'm so sorry, Louis. I jumped on late, but I, I wanted to, I wanted to um, check if you, if you shared one of your stories. But yeah, thanks, Glenn. Um, uh, actually, it was. I'm no longer at the school, but I still. Uh, it was really fond memories working with yeah Andre Gumprecht. Hopefully, some of you are aware of him. I call him the genius, the German genius. Um, his yeah, it was amazing to have chats with him, um, Patrick. A uh, couple of um, other A-League players, Bradley Porter from the Central Coast Mariners. Um, there was just this, uh, or Daniel Barrett as well, from who was coaching Sydney FC for a while. Um, it was so great to have a diverse group of coaches. We basically had a clean slate to work from with a, a football school that we got to have kids every day. We were actually doing two sessions a day. Um, you know, so the, the, the amount of time that we're on the park, we're able to experiment and then come back and, and like you've been talking about tonight, collaborate and see what ideas we've come up with. And, and the, the good thing I like about the Europeans is they're not scared to tell you what they think. And so I feel like, you know, in Australia um, in general, there's, you know, perhaps a bit of a tendency to withhold um, some of our, you know, we don't want to offend people, uh, with a little bit more reserved in how we say things but I'll tell you what after being with those guys for a while it was just like right now nah, I don't agree with that and <laughs> and you're okay with that and it was good and I'd love for our country to be able to get that in a respectful way obviously
1: they'd set um, that culture so they'd set that foundation with you. Yes. Yeah. Well,
7: that was that was part of that culture mm-hmm. that you could have yeah. those conversations. It was a little bit different when it then turned to management, though, which made it a bit more difficult because we had this, you know, awesome relationship as coaches. And then when we dealt with management, they were like, oh, no, the coaches, um, it was kind of a different culture as well. So you you do have to be aware of, of reading, you know, what different groups you're in, um, it's very important. But I actually found that was the first experience that I'd had of collaborating truthfully or or in, you know, real life every day with coaches. Before then, I'm not sure what you guys experienced and that's what I wanted to ask was, um, you know, are are people actually collaborating and and talking regularly with people? It's not just the odd coaches meeting every now and then. Um, You know, this sense of actually daily you know walking the walk with people I feel like it was was a huge um a huge turning point for me to be able to have that daily connection with people rather than feeling like oh I'm going out to do my own session i'm just you know and that's a good that's a good uh you know it was a good time as well to experiment yourself and just try things out especially early days but this sense of collaboration I don't think we can uh say it enough and and louis I, I wanted to see did you did you tell them the story about how you you got all the you've got the coaches of the different clubs. Um and then so when they would verse each other, um, then yeah. there, was, there was that yeah. sense of still working together as opposed to it's us against them and
1: Yeah, you know, Joe, I actually um I actually got the coach that had that, that happened with um he did a video on here. So you'll have oh. to I'll send it through to you. Um but yeah I'd, um it's a it's a fantastic uh, Story of how working together for the greater good of the game um, and the players in the community. So yeah, did, um, did yeah, that that's the that's the power yeah. of
7: collaboration. I think that, we, um, that yeah. we, I'd love to work towards. You know, actually, um, being able to have club coaches come from different clubs and work together. I mean, I, I'm I'm trying to even bridge gaps between like our A League clubs now. And uh, I live in Newcastle, and it's like just trying to reach out to the Jets and saying, you know, how much how much you know is it is it um does it make sense to to reach out to your local club and start connecting with local coaches there um for me that that makes sense rather than it being a place where everyone comes to you know we need to be able to um also like you're saying understand people from that um from from your book your reference so that sense of actually going out to people and saying you know what it's a good introductory conversation of what are you guys experiencing in your club culture? And then you can just build some relationships there, which is, I feel like the best part of our
1: game, isn't it? That's yeah, social, isn't it? And we want to see, be with people. And um, I think it's, you know, what we do um, as the coaching group that I'm working with, we have a, uh, you know, we have the, the WhatsApp group or the, the, the Facebook groups and, you know, I'll just say, oh, thinking of doing, you know, had a look at this session and they may put things up that they're trying or as I said like with with, um, the coach last year who wanted to do a blindfolded obstacle course for team building with the girls and you know then hearing about that afterwards it was just you know little little shares in the successes that they've had or things that they'd say well never trying that again because (laughs) it didn't work and we just uh, yeah scrapped it so again sharing in um, you know when the players have enjoyed something sharing that because ultimately that's what we're, we're trying to do. Yeah. I'd love
7: to see a bit more of the, the joy come back to the game. We can get overly serious, especially as coaches that it's all about, you know, football problems and trying to get our team to be better. And everyone's, you know, we've got to work hard, but you know, if we can, um, you know if we can have fun, then I think um, there 's nothing better than enjoying ourselves and we might actually see that our performances get better anyway or we 're better with our kids and or our players because we 're more relaxed and enjoying things and Glenn, you mentioned Tom Samani; he was the master at that he was you know did it we you know we were on the on the way to our our World Cup game on the bus, and he's doing a crossword you know and it, and we just couldn 't understand that but but it was almost like setting that tone of, you know what, just, just relax. I don't know if he was actually relaxed or really stressful, <laughs> you know, but he hit it. And, he, and, he, and he, you talk about setting the tone for your team and that culture. It was just, you know, what's important. Well, the value of just relaxing and having fun is important because if we're too stressed, then we're passing that on to our players and we don't want, you know, that over stressful environment. We want them to be able to play and have fun. So, um, yeah, learnt heaps from, from Tommy, just thought he was the master at, at creating a really, really um, healthy and, and fun culture.
0: Thanks very much, Joey. And it's been great to introduce Joey to the group for those who didn't, uh, haven't heard us speak before. And we look forward to your upcoming presentation, Joey.
7: Yeah, thanks so much, guys. Um, good on you, Louis. I'm so thanks, sorry. I'm, I can't wait to see the replay. I'm so sorry I was late. <laughs> Catch
1: up later. <laughs>
0: Louis, yeah, Louis, yeah. Louis, if you would like to just uh, do a bit of a, a wrap up, and then uh, we'll say thank you to everybody. And
1: yeah, so I'll I'll get back to the the thanks that I was uh, premature with uh, Glenn. Sorry. So just yeah, thank you to everybody that's listening, the questions, um everybody that listens in afterwards, and. Football Federation Australia, Football Coaches Australia, member federations for um, putting this together and all of the ones previous to this too, they've been fantastic to, to listen to and giving me the opportunity to try and talk, albeit nervously, um, about uh, club culture and coaching culture. And everybody that's helped me along the way uh, through the coaching journey, but also listening to me talk about these slides for the last few, um, few days and weeks um, previous to this. So thank you everyone.